right, hello. Welcome back to Brian Carr 99 49ers podcast. Hope you're having a good day. I hope you've had a couple of days to cool off because uh, that was brutal. That was a painful loss. A very painful one. Uh, appreciate you. If you are a new listener, thank you for tuning in. Like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. Mostly you can probably find me on the Twitters because that's where I'm at. Uh, but anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but we got to review the Green Bay game. And I'm usually not someone who likes to come out and have hot takes. I like to really try and think things through, get a good idea about what happened before I just come out with some crazy emotional thing. Because football is a very complex sport. and I feel a whole lot of mixed emotions about this game, and this was not, I would not say that this game was any single player's fault. This was 100% a team loss. Uh, There was some positive, there was some very not positive, there was some straight up ugly, some horrible. But there was also some hope and some good. So I want to try and just get all that out um, and kind of put it into words, put it out there. Just obviously these are my thoughts. So what happened in the game? So when I previewed this game, my general thoughts were we should win the trench battle. The wide receiver and corner matchups are kind of even, you know, they have one of the best corners in the NFL and one of the best receivers in the NFL. We don't, but we do seem to have pretty darn good safeties, a couple okay corners, some pretty dang good receivers. So you could kind of say that was, you know, fairly even match. And then we should win the trench battle. And that was kind of what I was expecting. And what I said was, hey, what we need to do is take an early lead and run it through their faces because we know that that is a formula that works versus this Green Bay team. And what we can't do is let Aaron Rodgers get an early lead, get an early lead, get into the groove, start feeling himself because that's when Aaron Rodgers is most dangerous. Unfortunately, what happened in this game was everything that we did not want to have happen. So, what happened? Basically, the gist of it was that we wanted to run it through their faces. For some reason, Shanahan has zero trust in Trey Sermon, even though he drafted him with a third-round pick and traded two fourth-round picks to move up into the third to get him. So, he really wanted Trey Sermon, but something's up right now, and he doesn't want him apparently to carry the ball because Juice was our number one running back, uh, like starting this game. we were Juice was doing inside runs, and he was doing handoffs. And this wasn't just like your normal, like, you know, goal line, like fullback dive kind of trick handoff thing. This was straight up like, hey, Juice, you're a running back. And... I love Juice. I think he's an amazing pass-catching fullback. 
He's an amazing blocker. He's, you know, basically the best fullback in the NFL and great on blocking, great pass catcher. He's not necessarily a handoff running back. I don't think that's the best way to use him. Unfortunately, we did. So, um, something's up with Trey Sermon. So, that immediately was an issue. The other thing that we did not win was we didn't win the trench battle on offense or on defense. So, on offense, uh, now with the running back injuries that we have, now, because we didn't have Elijah Mitchell or Raheem Mostert or a speed guy, it's very difficult to threaten teams horizontally with the run of an outside zone if you don't have a speed guy. Uh, you know, with a Raheem Mostert, you get him going out on the edge and they have to overcompensate because he has that 4-3 speed. Now, Trey Sermon, he doesn't have that 4-3 speed. He has good burst, but he's like a 4-6 uh, type of speed guy. So he can't threaten the edges. And because of that, basically they were doubling up on their edge defense and they were giving us like a five, six man front and crowding the box saying, hey, we know that you can't threaten us on the edges. So you're going to have to run it up the middle. And unfortunately, even though Trey Sermon is better, in my opinion, as an inside zone runner, and he really is, because if you look at the way that he runs, uh, his build, he is ideal for an inside zone running scheme. He is a hard runner. He has really good vision, good contact balance. Uh, he's very elusive in tight spaces. Trey Sermon is perfect for inside zone running. But Shanahan doesn't trust him. And then on top of that, I don't know what happened with Alex Mack, but this was probably the worst game we've seen from Alex Mack in a long, long time. I mean, I haven't watched Alex Mack film, but he was terrible this game. Kenny Clark, their nose tackle, their defensive tackle, he was destroying the interior of our offensive line. They were also doing, um, I forget exactly what it's called. I think it's called a bear front, where basically you have a nose tackle head up on the center, and then you also have defensive tackles right head up on the guards. So they've got three guys right there in the middle. And then they also had a guy out on the far edge. So they were having five, six guys as their basically like a five or six man defensive line was the look that they were showing us on a lot of the, on a lot of their uh, fronts because they were basically saying, and this is the next point that I'm going to get is because we couldn't threaten them horizontally with speed. So you can't threaten horizontally with speed. So you're going to have to do a downhill inside run, but Shanahan doesn't trust Trey Sermon. And Alex Mack is having a terrible game going up against Kenny Clark since they've got, and now they've got five, six guys on the defensive line. So the only way that you can uh, take care of that is by threatening them vertically in the pass game. But we don't do that. And because they know that we will, Jimmy doesn't go deep. Jimmy can't throw far or whatever you want to say. Like Jimmy is a short and intermediate over the middle thrower. So they were just crowding the box. Like they 
showed absolutely zero respect to the deep passing game. There were so many plays when you looked and they had eight, nine, ten guys in the box and, you know, every single one of the defenders was basically only like 10 yards away. Like they weren't backing off 20 yards. You know, their safeties weren't 20 yards back. They were at like 10 yards and they were saying, hey, come on, we dare you to pass it deep. We dare you to pass it deep. So I think basically what destroyed our offense was a combination of factors. So first off, you've got the trench battle. Our interior offensive line is losing to their interior defensive line. Okay, that's a problem. Well, how do you compensate for that? You go with a wide zone. However, they're double stacking the edges and you don't have a speed guy who can really threaten them uh, sideline to sideline with speed. So that kind of takes that out of the equation. All right, so then what do you do? Well, the only way that you can take care of the fact that they're putting five or six guys on the defensive line and putting eight, nine, ten guys in the box is to threaten to throw vertically. But we don't do that. Jimmy doesn't do that. And that brings me to Jimmy. I know that Jimmy gets a lot of hate, and I have kind of been a Jimmy defender in the sense that Shanahan, without Jimmy, has a very bad record. With Jimmy, he has a good record. Without Jimmy, he only scores 15 points a game. With Jimmy, he scores like 29 points a game. Without Jimmy, the team has been absolutely horrid. With Jimmy, we went to the Super Bowl. We almost won it. So Jimmy is not so bad that you can't win with him. But Jimmy is limited, and teams have figured out what his limitations are. And that has been showing up more and more and more. And Shanahan needs to find a way to adjust. So ways that you can adjust. Um, because Jimmy can't throw vertically, again, they were crowding the box, doubling up on their edge defense, daring you to run it, and we couldn't do any of that. So nothing basically was working at all. And uh, the again, we were losing the trench battle. So that's the short version. Um, now, the main adjustments that I think that we can make. So the first adjustment, I think, is just getting a faster running back. If Shanahan doesn't trust Trey Sermon, we should be getting uh, Elijah Mitchell back this week. So, you know, he was, he was doubtful, but they were kind of hoping that he would be there. So if we get Elijah Mitchell back, that gives us a legit 4-4 speed guy who can do the outside zone, that's going to widen things up so that way we can at least start stretching things horizontally. We can do play-action bootlegs and things like that. So that's that's the first thing that we need. Um, I would say probably the most important thing that we need right now is a speedy running back that Shanahan trusts. Not only that, but, I mean, did you see Trenton Cannon on that kick return? Holy crap, that guy, he's got speed. And at this point, if you're making Juice take handoffs, and I love the idea of getting Juice more involved in the passing game, and he's a great blocker, so I'm all for that. 
but I don't want him taking handoffs. That's not what he's good at. And it, and it, he, that doesn't fit the system that we want to run. Trenton Cannon, I could see him being as effective as Elijah Mitchell. I could see him being kind of a Matt Breida type. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be extremely good, but just getting that speed element on a wide zone that threatens makes it threatens the team's edges, which forces them to overcompensate, which then Shanahan can use to get people over the middle. If we're going to throw it over the middle, we have to get teams overcompensating on the edges because the outside run game scares them. And if we don't have a fast receiver, like an Elijah Mitchell or a Trenton Cannon or a Raheem Mostert, then they're not going to feel threatened on the edges. And if they're not threatened on the edges, they're going to force us to run it up the middle. And if we got to run it up the middle, it's going to be very hard to pass over the middle because they're just going to stuff the box with 8, 9, 10, 11 guys. So, yeah, that was the majority of it. And it was extremely frustrating. Now, let's talk about Jimmy. Um, Jimmy is like the ultimate, uh, what's that word? An enigma? Just like a thing that doesn't make sense. So, Jimmy basically had two or three really bad plays, and then the rest of the game he was solid. And that's kind of what we get with Jimmy Garoppolo within the context of what Jimmy is capable of doing. And what I mean by that is that because of Jimmy's limitations, he's not going to throw it further than like 15 yards. Jimmy is really good timing, rhythm, over the middle, quick passing game. You know, if, if you were to put Jimmy in an old school like West Coast offense, where there's a lot of like three-step, five-step drops, and it's like one, two, three, there's the break, bam, and he hits a guy, you know, on like quick routes. That is really what Jimmy is good at. Um, you know, Jimmy is, that's kind of what his, what kind of system Jimmy is built for. He's good for rhythm, timing, you know, like one, two, three, bam, one, two, three, four, five, bam. And, you know, one, two, three, there's my read, hit him. One, two, three, four, five, there's my read, hit him. Uh, that's what Jimmy's best at. What he's not good at is stretching the field vertically. And teams have recognized that. Now, because he doesn't threaten teams vertically, I know this is going to happen more and more. The longer that Jimmy is in, the more teams are just going to start stacking and stacking and stacking the boxes. And the way that Shanahan, again, has been compensating for that is by having very fast receivers with an outside run game that forces teams to clear the middle because they're overcompensating for the outside zone. So within the context of what Jim is good at, meaning between the numbers, inside 10 to 15 yards, he was pretty good. Uh, he completed a decent number of his passes. He was hitting guys mostly in rhythm. Uh, the receivers weren't creating a whole lot of separation, which was unfortunate. Um, but yeah, ultimately, what happened on offense was we didn't have the personnel to maximize our scheme. 
and Green Bay's defense essentially out-schemed us. So things that we need to change again, we need a speedy out we need a speedy running back for the outside zone. That's key number one if Jimmy's gonna stay in there. And Jimmy can't have his idiot turnovers. Um regarding Jimmy's two turnovers, the interception. I don't really mind the interception that much. And here's why is Shanahan dialed up this spot specifically for Kittle. Now, in the all 22 footage, when you look at it, uh, Jimmy's dropping back, and um, the defense is in a cover four. So Kittle, he is basically attacking the seam. He's basically attacking the, I guess you could call it, uh, not the not the not the far left, but like the inside left quarter safety, and he ends up beating that guy. Now the other safety in the right middle corner, he ends up dropping down to cover, I believe Debo, who was running like a dig route or something. Now the far quarter on the far right side is Yair Alexander. So Yair Alexander is playing a far quarter, but because he's in zone and nobody's threatening that zone, he sees Jimmy. He makes a crazy, just a really, really impressive play, covers a huge amount of ground while the ball is in the air, and manages to beat Kittle to the ball. So I'm not going to blame Kitty a whole kit or blah, blah. I'm not going to blame Jimmy a whole lot for that. But the simple reason is that it was the right read. Kittle was wide open. Jimmy got it directly to him in time. Sure, he could have anticipated it a little bit more. Sure, he could have rocketed in there a little bit more. And I feel like Trey Lance, it wouldn't have floated as long. But ultimately, it was just Yair Alexander making a hell of a play. So, and the fact that it happened 50 yards downfield, I mean, at least Jimmy wasn't throwing it to a linebacker's face, like 10 yards away from him. Like, this was a 50-yard bomb, and if he made that, like, that's a 50-yard catch from Kittle. So I don't mind that too much. Um, His fumble, though, that was horrific. His backward pass fumble, what the... I'm trying not to cuss, but, I mean, you're an adult. What the fuck was that? That was horrific. Like, I don't know what was happening on that play. I think they were trying to set up some type of screen. But the defensive tackle beat Mac so fast that Jimmy couldn't even try and pass it. And instead of, like, you know, throwing it away or throwing it into the ground or just taking a sack, which he could have done because, you know, hey, at least you're like running out the clock and you have another down to attempt another one. Like instead, he doesn't quite throw it and then turns around a little bit and then throws it down at the ground backwards. Like that's a backwards pass. That is a fumble. That's a live fucking ball. You're 30 years old. You're an eight-year veteran in the NFL. Don't fucking do that, Jimmy. You're better than that. And these are the idiot things that annoy us about Jimmy Garoppolo is that you you don't get any high end. 
with Jimmy. He's a pocket passer. He's a rhythm and timing quarterback. He's a West Coast, hit a guy, get yak kind of guy. He's not going to air it out deep. And because he only does short and intermediate passing, you would think that he doesn't turn the ball over. But instead, he has one or two or three fucking retarded plays every single game. Here's an interesting stat. Jimmy Garoppolo has the sixth highest turnover-worthy turnover worthy play rate in the NFL through three weeks. Sixth highest. You know what he also has? He also has bottom three depth of target and zero big-time throws. Jimmy is making pretty much zero super impressive big-time throws. He's not throwing it deep. And he's turning it over at an extremely high rate. That is not good. I understand that things that the pass the pass game efficiency is good, but that's because Shanahan is scheming shit wide open and giving Jimmy easy balls or easy like easy reads. And it's so frustrating because we we see what we're getting and i remember when jimmy first came over with the 49ers and i remember watching him and thinking hey let's see how this guy does he wins a game hey that was cool he wins another game oh that was really cool he ends up winning five in a row and i'm like oh my gosh jimmy jesus we found our guy we signed him five years hell yeah we got our quarterback and then he tears his ACL, and I was like, oh, shit, this is terrible. And then he comes back, and he takes us to the Super Bowl, but we start seeing some chinks in the army. And uh, we almost win a Super Bowl with him. And then it's like, hey, you know what, though? Maybe he can take another step. And then last year happened, and it was like, no, I don't think he's taking another step. I think this is what we're getting. And Shanahan knows it, and that's why we spent three first-round picks to go get Trey Lance. Now, in regards to the offense, I don't think Trey Lance is 100% the answer yet. What I will say is Trey Lance brings a very different dynamic to the offense. I don't think Trey Lance quite has, you know, the the down-to-down the -down efficiency or the just just the the simple things that come to come from experience you know like understanding two minute drills uh nuances of like nfl rules and all that kind of stuff jimmy's a veteran is usually solid but i was trying to think of a good analogy for jimmy versus trey and the best that i could come up with and uh, i hope that you're able to kind of roll with me here Jimmy Garoppolo is like, he's like a Porsche from the 90s. All right, work with me here. So, you know, races, you know, if you got like a mid-90s Porsche, you know, you got it. Maybe it was a couple years old. It's it looks really good. Sounds good. Smooth driving. Pretty much does everything you want it to. And, you know, like, when it came out, it was pretty good. You know, like you could really be competitive when it 
came out. When Jimmy came into the NFL, he was a second-round pick. I know he wasn't like a first-round pick, but he was a second-round pick for a reason. He's got talent. He's solid. But he also came into the NFL eight years ago. So think about that. Like Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is this 25, 30-year-old Porsche. And now it's like, well, the tires are kind of balding, and sometimes the engine breaks down, and it's not super reliable. And, you know, you can still kind of compete in some races, but, well, you got to be perfect if you're going to win. And you like it, you love it, because you had the car. Maybe you've won a lot of races in it, but it's just, it's starting to get a little bit harder to control again. Things are starting to break down. You can't quite control it. It doesn't quite make those corners as well as it used to. And so you mortgage it. You mortgage your house and you buy a Dodge Hellcat. And that's Trey Lance. And now you've got this Hellcat in the garage. And this thing like, oh, your Porsche, it had like 250 horsepower and it can handle. But now you've got this 700 horsepower Hellcat in the garage and you're like, oh, this thing is epic, but it scares me. I don't know if I can handle it. And so you're like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying to race. I'm gonna keep trying this Porsche. I know that I gotta race a perfect race, and I know that it might break down, and I know that it, you know, might just spin out on a corner if I'm not, you know, just perfect with it. But that Hellcat, it's it's kind of scary, and I'm not quite comfortable driving it yet. And that's the best analogy that I could come up with, because like you've got a 30-year-old sports car that was awesome when it came out. It was really competitive. But now it's really hard to win races with. You have to be perfect with it. It's starting to break down, and the, the rear end is starting to get a little swirly or squirrely. But now you got this shiny new car. You just mortgaged, you know, you're, you remortgaged your house to put a, to buy for this 700-horsepower drag car, but you're nervous to drive it because you don't know if you can handle it yet. And I think that's where we're at. Trey Lance, bazooka for an arm, runs a four or five, super smart kid, high character, like everything you could want. But you're still not quite sure how the transition is going to be and you're comfortable because you've been using this car for a few years. And, you know, when it hasn't been broken down and in the shop, it's won you a lot of, won you a lot of races, won you a lot of games, so to speak. That was kind of the analogy I was thinking. Now, if we don't win these next two games, and I'll do the Seahawks uh, preview pod probably, I'm thinking Friday, I'll do that. Uh, just because Thursday night football, I'm going to want to watch that. Um, if we don't win these next two games, and these next two games are crucial, or if Jimmy's not better, Jimmy needs, needs to be better in these next two games. There... Russell Wilson has never lost three games in a row. Now, Jimmy's never lost back-to-back games. One of those two things is going to happen. Either Jimmy's going to lose a back-to-back game or Russell Wilson's going to lose three in a row. Jimmy needs to be better because, again, we'll do a preview, but, I mean, do we really trust our corners to stop DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and stop Russell Wilson from putting up 35 points? Do you think Jimmy can put up 35 points? I don't know. I don't think so. Not if they stack the box with 10-man fronts. Um, and, I mean, Russell Wilson can air it out. Kyler Murray, 
Tyler Murray is, I think, second in the league in passing yards right now. Like, he's putting up 35 points almost every game. Are we going to be able to keep up with those teams? If we can't, if we drop the next two games, I want to see Trey Lance after the bye. That's the perfect time to do it, is after the bye. The Colts don't quite look as good as we expected. And with a bye week, you have a whole nother week to make the change, install the offense. And what Trey Lance brings you is a vertical pass threat. He opens up run lanes because he's a run threat. Now you can do your play action bootlegs and you can do 30, 40, 50, 60 yard passes downfield. They have to respect the deep ball. Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. Debo and Ayuk, those are like sub four or five guys. They run legit four or fives. They probably run under a four or five. Kittle is a tight end who runs a four or five. Like you've got three legit vertical threats if you want them to, if you have a guy who can get it out there. You add in additional run lanes from Trey Lance. I'm not saying there won't be growing pains. And the other first round rookie quarterbacks this year have been really bad. There's no denying they're not talented, but they have not been good. And I'm not sure how confident I am in Trey Lance. I will say Trey Lance is going to unlock a lot of things, and they're not going to be able to give us six-man front and crowd the box with 10 people in the box against Trey Lance. They won't be able to do that. It'll open up the offense even if Trey Lance might be a little bit more sporadic in terms of his accuracy and decision making but again if if we don't win these next two games I I personally will be all for the switch and I've I've been again hey if Jimmy's winning us games and we're looking good let's roll with Jimmy let the kid learn let's roll with Jimmy give him some snaps you know, get him involved a little bit. He needs to learn. You don't want him sitting for a year. But ultimately, if if, if all teams are going to do is just stack the box and we have no answers for that, the kid opens everything up. So that's all I'm going to say about the offense. Defensively, as far as the defensive game plan goes, the defense initially, the thing that I really didn't like about the defense, the main thing was when we were going man on man, I don't trust our corners man on man against Devontae Adams. You know, like, that's really what it is. And those refs, I, I got to, for a quick second, those refs, that was some of the worst officiating I have seen in a minute. They were calling defensive pass interference all the time, but also really inconsistently. They weren't calling offensive holding on our defensive line when they were obviously holding Bosa and Ibukan. Uh, they didn't call Jimmy for intentional grounding when he definitely did intentionally ground at one time. Uh, it was just terrible officiating all around. Those defensive pass interference calls, though, it was so frustrating because it was like it was th three times on third down. It's third down. Aaron Rodgers goes into an empty set formation. We show obvious man-on-man -man coverage, and he goes, hmm, 
I'm going to throw it 30 yards up for my guy and get a pass interference. And then the refs are going to call a pass interference. Three times. We had over 90 yards in pass interference penalties on third downs. I hate it. I, I can't stand it. I mean, I would – here's the thing is I understand the need to be aggressive. I understand the need to want to mix up coverages. But you got to be able to either disguise something or protect your guys. And when you've got Josh Norman playing really well initially, and by the way, shout out to Josh Norman just for being a total badass. Dude is out there playing really good coverage for the first quarter or so, forces a fumble, which was awesome. And then in the process, like busts his lungs to the point where he's coughing up blood has to go to the hospital and then after the game he says i'm going to be back next week like dude if he gets cleared mad props and i think that pff gave him like an 89 coverage grade on his 30 snaps or whatever it was so huge just i thought josh norman was washed up and i wasn't super excited about us signing him but holy crap dude that guy has been amazing since he's been here and it really sucks what happened, but the fact that he's going out there covering guys, being competitive, he forced a fumble. Like, he straight up punched the ball out. I know the ball ruled out of bounds, so it doesn't, didn't really matter that much. But he forced a fumble, and then he freaking takes a hit so hard that his, he's coughing up blood, goes to the hospital, and then he wants to play on Sunday. So, sorry, I just got to give a shout-out to Josh Norman. Um, but yeah, I don't like man coverage when we've got Mosley and Demo manned up on freaking Valdez, Scantling, and Devontae Adams. Like, Devontae Adams is probably the best receiver in the NFL. You're going to man him up against a rookie? Are you fucking kidding? You're not even going to try and disguise it? Like, I do not want to see that happening against Seattle. And again, we'll preview the Seattle pod, but I. I want cover three, cover four, keep everything in front of us. You know, like, I'm okay with giving it up underneath, but you can't be getting these huge pass interferences on these man coverages. It's just, I was so frustrated in the beginning of the game by the defense. I will give D'Amico Ryan some credit. He made some adjustments. And I think they were better the second half. The fact that we start, they gave up 17 points very quickly. And then in the second half, we only gave up 11 points uh, up until that final field goal. Uh, good job making the adjustments because they were destroying us in the beginning. Um, as far as why our defense was having trouble, the main reasons why our defense was having trouble was I didn't like when we were manning up on Devontae Adams, obviously, because. He's incredible, and it's really hard to defend him. And the best thing that you can try and do is keep him underneath and just be a good tackler because he's he's so good, and he has that connection with Aaron Rodgers. The other thing was that Aaron Rodgers was getting rid of the ball very quickly. And they knew, hey, we have a really good defensive line. We're going to get the ball out quickly. I think Aaron Rodgers was getting the ball out in – around like 2.3 seconds on average for the entire game. So he would basically drop back one, two, throw it. So there was zero time for our defensive line to get there. 
Uh, they were also double teaming and chipping Bosa like crazy. Um, I don't remember the exact play, but there was one play where Robert Tanyan um, basically motioned over into a very tight formation and then just chipped Bosa super hard onto his back. So they were chipping Bosa. They were double teaming Bosa. Now that does free up the other guys on the line with one-on-ones and we've spent so much on our defensive line. We need our defensive line, the other guys to win their one-on-ones. Eric Armstead got his first sack. Shout out to him. Um, I will say, I think Bosa needs to work on his awareness. He needs to learn. And I understand that he's incredibly talented, but he's also still kind of new to the NFL. You know, he's only played 20, 20 something games because of the injury last year. So he's only played about 20 games. He needs to learn to recognize when people are going to chip him, and he needs to figure out how to beat that. Um, So yeah, I didn't like the man versus man coverages. I don't like that we're not disguising it at all. Um, I don't understand why on earth you would drop a defensive tackle into coverage and rush three. Um, And Bosa... I mean, if they're going to spend that, they, they basically said, hey, we know Bo- Bosa is a monster. We need to plan specifically for him and then get the ball out fast. That was their entire game plan, and it worked. And then when they saw that we were going to man up on third down, Rodgers was like, hey, wh- which matchup do I like? Cool, I'm going to huck it deep to that guy and then get a pass interference or a catch. Uh, and more often than not, it was a pass interference. So, um. Yeah, I mean, the the rhythm of the game was so weird. You know, it was, we started off, it was a terrible start. And I think those are the main things that I kind of wanted to talk about on defense. Um, I mean, the other thing is I just, I hate prevent defense. Every time you go to prevent defense, you prevent nothing. All that you do is give up 15 to 20 yard passes constantly. Prevent defense is the dumbest thing ever. I've, whenever I see a team going to prevent defense, all I see is the other team just start marching down the field quickly. They go no huddle and they just start chucking it for 10, 15, 20 yards. And that's what happened when we gave Aaron Rodgers 37 seconds. You shouldn't be able to score in 37 seconds with no timeouts when you need 50 yards. But they did because we did prevent defense and we gave up a 25 yard pass and then another 25 yard pass so they could kick a 50 yarder 51. So just I fucking hate prevent defense. It's the dumbest thing ever. It doesn't prevent shit. Um, so yeah, um, just the game overall, again, the rhythm of it was weird. It was so much of Jimmy Garoppolo is playing very badly in the first half and then trying to bail out his own mistakes in the second half. I think I saw a statistic somewhere today on Twitter that Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of like his quarterback efficiency or whatever is like 20th in the NFL in the first half of this season. But then in the second half, he's sixth. So somehow he goes from being the 20th best quarterback to the sixth best quarterback between the first half and the second half. We can't do that. We need to start faster and we need to keep the foot on the pedal. We, we need to go out there and be scoring a touchdown on our first drive. We can't have multiple three and outs. It's happened twice now. 
Against the Eagles, we couldn't do anything until there was five minutes left in the first half. Against Green Bay, we only scored because Trenton Cannon, again, shout out Trenton Cannon for that incredible kick return, 68-yard kick return. Shout out to him. If he doesn't get that, I don't think we score those seven points at the end, uh, at the end of the first half. So we need to start better. And Shanahan's got to reach into his bag of magic tricks and figure it out and make some adjustments. Um, but yeah, so giving up 17 points. Now, I will say positives from this game. Again, Jimmy was solid most of the game within the parameters of what Jimmy can do. 5, 10, 15 yard passes. If you're not expecting anything more, he was pretty solid. Just stop with the fucking turnovers and the idiot plays. Um, Ayuk was back. Ayuk came back. He had a pretty solid game. Kittle was awesome. I think he had like seven catches for 90 yards. Debo was just tough as hell. He was making contested catches. And again, the, since they had zero respect for the passing game, their safeties were basically waiting at the 10 yards, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, waiting for our receivers to make a quick inbreak and then just smacking them right fucking there when they were catching the ball. Debo made so many catches where he was just getting smashed the instant that he caught the ball. Debo was just tough as nails. Kittle was awesome. Use check. Juice had an awesome game. Again, he's not the guy that you want to just be doing like handoffs on inside outside zones. But in terms of like as a pass catcher, like running routes out of the backfield, blocking, he's awesome. He had an awesome game. He had that touchdown at the end. Um, oh yeah, which brings me to clock management. Um, I thought about this a bit. I think the most frustrating thing about the clock management at the end of the game, we gave Aaron Rodgers the ball with like 37 or 39 seconds. And somehow, first off, your defense should be able to stop that. Your defense should not allow a team to travel 50 yards in 35 seconds, you, especially when the other team has zero timeouts. Tackle them. Don't allow a 20-yard pass. Don't allow a 20-yard pass. That's what you got to do. Just don't allow a 25-yard pass. And I'm not going to blame Warner because he almost tipped that ball. And you got sometimes you just got to give credit to Aaron fucking Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They have a connection. He somehow placed that ball perfectly over Fred Warner. Fred Warner is six foot three. He's jumping. He's 20 yards back in coverage. Aaron Rodgers somehow whoop right over and down to the receiver. So sometimes Aaron Rodgers just makes a fucking play because he's Aaron fucking Rodgers and he has the most incredible arm ever. Um, but you can't allow that. It's that fucking prevent defense. It's terrible. I hate it. Um yeah, so first half, down 17, less than a minute left. Trenton Cannon, incredible kick return, driving down the field. Two seconds left, Shanahan, ballsy fucking move, puts Trey Lance in there, runs it in on like, I think it was like a fake screen to Debo, but instead they ran like a power a QB power wide or something. I don't know exactly what you call it, but it was awesome. Trey Lance comes in, runs in for a rushing touchdown, gives the Niners seven points. 
Trent Williams destroyed a guy on it. Uh, Trent Williams had a pretty good game. I will give him credit. Alex Mack was horrid. Trent Williams, pretty good. Mike McGlinchey was also pretty solid overall. Our interior was getting destroyed, though. Uh, so we're down 17 to 7. And I remember I took a note and I was like, we've got momentum. We get the ball in the second half. And then at halftime, I was like, we have no run game. Jimmy's been okay, but not perfect. Corners can't keep getting PIs. Uh, Rodgers is frustrating. Niners defense is stopping the run, which is good. Uh, second half, it was like check down to Kittle. Sermon breaks a tackle for a couple. Um, Lance comes in. There's a trick play. Juice has a sneak. He sneaks over, does Juice quarterback sneak. Screen to Debo for 19. Sermon has a 15-yard run. End around to Ayuk for 8. Sermon runs for 5. Offense is in rhythm. Uh, touch pass to Debo. Check down to Sermon. No gain. Third and 9. Debo for 20. First and goal. Hand off to Debo. Jimmy throws it away. And then Ayuk touchdown. Next thing you know, Niners have offense. 14-7. Uh, Josh Norman is then ruled out in the second half. And there we go. Then we stopped them. We stopped them with a three and out. We stopped them. We went from the, the very positive thing I will say about this game. That there's, I think that that's, there was a couple, again, individual performances were good. Uh, the thing that I did really like was the fact that we came back from down 17 to get the lead. And I know we didn't win, but we were down 17 to zero with a minute left in the first half. And then with 30 seconds left in the game, we had the lead. We came back down 17 points to take the lead. And I think that's very positive, especially just the fact that we were able to do it with Jimmy. Our offense was able to get things going. Um, I would say that was the one, one of the good positives was that this team hundred percent just shows, just shows grit. You know, like this team does not give up ever. And again, it really sucked that we lost. This is, this game was a gut punch because we started out and I was like, ah, shit, we did everything I didn't want us to do. You know, we shouldn't have gave Rogers a big lead. But then we came back, we had the lead, and I was like, holy shit, we might actually win this. And then Aaron Rodgers took it back. And it really hurt. It was, I was in a bad funk. <laughs> I was in a total just shit mood. And it was extremely frustrating just seeing your team down and then getting that hope and thinking, wow, we're going to win this. All we have to do is make one stop, and then they manage to kick a field goal with two seconds left and win it. And it was a gut punch. It really was. It really hurt. There was some individual positives. There was a whole lot of negatives. This game was, this game was everything. There was all the highs, all the lows. Um, I don't think that we necessarily learned anything. Um, I think Green Bay just came in with a better plan. And we didn't have 
the run game to have our offensive plan, and we didn't have corners that were good enough to stop Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And even with all that, we still almost won it. So there is a lot of good here in the context. Overall, it is a loss, but we still have a 2-1 and one record. We're not out of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, this, this Green Bay game, I really liked the determination that we were able to score 28 points in 30 minutes. What I don't like is the slow start. What I really don't like is without speed in the outside run game, teams are just going to crowd the box, and Jimmy is not... I don't think our offense is going to have, with Jimmy in control, I don't think our offense is going to have enough to compete with other top offenses. And I watched that Rams game against the Buccaneers, and they scare me. They scare me. And then I watched the Monday night game with the Cowboys and the Eagles. And the Cowboys put 40 points on the Eagles. And we could only get 17. And I look at Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray is running around. And he's got really good receivers. And he's putting up 35 points a game. And we know what Russell Wilson can do with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So... Again, you know, kind of like how I started off. There's a lot of mixed emotions. There's some positives. There were some very good individual performances. There were some very bad things that happened. There was definitely some questionable calls, some questionable decisions. We did lose. It is a loss in the column. But that's the game. That's the game. That's my recap. So, anyways, I appreciate you for listening. Thank you for listening. Shout out to all 15 of you who do listen. Like, subscribe, comment. Uh, Tweet this out on Twitter if you do. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, Uh, in a couple days, I will be coming out with a Seahawks preview podcast. And I'll do my best to try and figure out what we can expect from the Seahawks. So, hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one. I'll catch you next time. Go Niners.